Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. There's a real kind of pattern that I notice. Physician that they're probably going to lose their job. A lot of them end up quitting. They're very tired many times at the end of the day. The best attorneys don't stop learning. Welcome. This webinar today, I think, is is a lot of fun, and it's it's not necessarily what you would think about in terms of how to be a rich and famous attorney. You're going to get quite a bit of information that you might normally not get in terms of learning how to be very successful practicing law. There's a real kind of pattern that I notice, and it's an important pattern because whether or not you're at a large firm or not, there's a pattern that I see with attorneys that start out in very large, prestigious law firms. And then within one or two years, a lot of times they end up leaving the practice of law completely. And it's not just something I see now and then, it's something I see daily. And I see it daily because one of the things I do at BCG Attorney Search, and I spend a lot of time doing it. For example, I just got off of, I got off, I start my day very early, 5.30, and then I'm in meetings usually till 8 a.m. And then and then between 8 and 10, usually I'm reviewing candidates, and then I do it again in the afternoon. And those are people that are applying to BCG attorney search, looking for jobs. And, and what I see in, during that time is I see resumes that of people from large law firms that have left the practice of law and, and often the exact opposite of what happens to the attorneys that join the smaller, less prestigious law firms out of law school or in those types of firms. So it's very interesting when you see that because it's not, it's almost as if going to a smaller law firm and less prestigious law firm is a way to have a better long-term career. And, and literally, if you join a smaller law firm earlier in your career at a law school many times, you may actually end up practicing law your entire career. And even though you may make less money when you get out and may feel badly about that, uh, you're actually probably going to make more money over the long run because you won't usually continue practicing law. And what's interesting is the attorneys that join a lot of smaller firms and mid-sized firms are committed to practicing law. And, and they, they have a different experience many times than large firm attorneys because they're talking to clients all day. They're getting involved in the client's issues. And when they sit down to work, many times they're seeing a real connection between the work that they're doing and their clients. And, and I feel that there's a much closer human connection that often motivates them and makes them feel valued and gives them a lot of control over their careers that attorneys and large law firms may not have. And, and a lot of times, large law firm attorneys really don't even understand kind of the role of a good attorney because they've spent years, many times working long hours and never meeting clients. And, and their time really has been dedicated to things like writing memos and doing other sorts of clerical type work that's removed from what normal attorneys do. And when they're, when they're quitting these jobs, they're often quitting jobs that are not even really remotely connected to being an attorney. They're different, they're different types of positions and something that a lot of attorneys in smaller law firms aren't doing. It's not to say that every job in a large law firm is like that because they're certainly not, but they're more disconnected from the traditional way of practicing law. And because large law firm attorneys also are in the, the position that they're probably going to lose their jobs, a lot of them end up quitting uh, before they get fired just out of simple self-respect. They don't want to be in a position where, where they're let go and, they, and they're scared of that, so they quit. 
And I look at that when I look at this as like large law firm attorneys losing, they lose their spark. And the spark is the motivation and the enthusiasm that led them to practicing law in the first place. And, and a lot of that happens, I believe, because they don't look at the work as meaningful. There's not as much client contact or a feeling of purpose. Uh, they don't feel as much of a prospect of a compelling future. And their spirit often ends up getting crushed. And literally, they, they want nothing to do with being an attorney. They're, they're rebelling against the profession because the profession is making them feel out of touch with uh, their work and abused. And, and because this is such a widespread pattern, it really points to something that far deeper than that people do not necessarily like large law firms or practicing law. So what happens is a lot of these attorneys simply run out of gas. And they don't have energy because they're not getting positive feedback from their work. And they don't want to keep pushing forward. They lose interest in the subject matter of practicing law. And they have no more desire to play the game. And, and without this energy, these attorneys often lose focus and literally would rather do anything than practice law again. And it's interesting when you compare the way the practice of law is with this to the assembly line. When cars and other things used to be made. Craftsmen used to take great pride in things like spending weeks or months building a single car. Um, and as assembly lines and methods of business became more specialized, people were assigned like one task, such as putting on a wheel and nothing more. And what this meant is that the work became monotonous, very simplistic, and, and to a large extent, even meaningless for the people doing the work. And as it became more meaningless, the people doing the work started enjoying the work less and less. They became less attached to it. Um, they demanded higher wages. They started organizing unions and became very angry with management. And, and this sort of anger towards management in the law firm environment is the same thing among associates and others at large law firms today. You can go to different sites where they complain about the firms and, and their jobs. And, and it's the same sort of anger that similar line workers in factories have towards management, but instead of union halls, they, everyone's organizing on various websites and they gossip and take great pride in their problems and the problems of law firm partners and their law firms. And a big discussion, the most popular articles, if you want to run a, a blog or get traffic to a website are going to be things about the wages of the law firms and things uh, related to money because Money is the big thing that people get. It's not joy in the work many times, it's the money. And like factory workers, people are complaining about working conditions. They often spread gossip about their law firms and they spend their days often doing a lot of meaningless work. And, and it, the same thing as a factory worker is valued for more for the number of hours of work and not much more. It's the same thing with associates and attorneys. And they have the same concerns as blue collar factory workers even though they're looking like white collar workers. And the people that are doing this work are really running out of energy. They're running out of energy because they're doing meaningless work where they're valued mainly for their hours that, that they work and nothing more. And, and again, it's almost when you have, a, if you have blue collar relatives, and I do, that we worked in factories, they're very tired many times at the end of the day. They come home and often park themselves in front of the TV with a beer and, and they're very tired. And, and then... They many times they fight and get divorced and that sort of thing. And they look forward to retirement and not working. That's a big thing. And, and their concern is working less, earning as much money as possible and ending everything. And a lot of people that work in blue collar jobs often get sick and die early. And, and again, just like blue collar workers doing the different types of thing, different types of that type of work, many attorneys 
are very similar in terms of being very tired of the work and having health problems and, and, and the same sort of thing. If you look at an attorney and you see what happens to attorneys that work inside of law firms for years and not advancing, they start looking very unhealthy and they, and they, they may gain weight. They may, I don't know, they may lose their energy and spirit, just looking depressed and they may walk hunched over. And, and, they, and you can see a noticeable lack of enthusiasm for the work in their face and their voice. And, and, and many times it's sad to say, but they really become no different than a factory worker who's been doing the same work for years and is unhappy. And the only difference is the factory worker may be in better shape. And so the, the, it's important to understand, and we'll talk more about this today, that the only two things you're really selling to legal employers are your skills as an attorney and your energy as an attorney. And very few attorneys have both the skills and the energy. And that's really why there's so many good, very few good attorneys. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the skills and the attorneys. And, you know, nothing, and this is very interesting. And we'll, and again, I, I hope you understand it when we're done, but nothing is really more important than an attorney or is more common than an attorney who's very smart but passionless and out of energy, or the attorneys that don't have the skills to be a good attorney. And, uh, and again, nothing uh, is more in common than an attorney that has both energy and the skills of an attorney. And in fact, the entire fabric of the legal profession has really evolved to concentrate those with both energy and skill at the very top. So I'm going to talk to you today about how to do that and what makes attorneys that have this so successful. And, and again, if you don't have to be the best attorney. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to have the best qualifications. But if if you're an average attorney with energy and and with skills, or an average attorney just with energy, the odds are very good that you will not possess both of those things. You'll either be a very good attorney with no energy, or you'll be a very good attorney with energy. I mean, with you'll get not be a good attorney with energy. So most people have one or the other. And when you understand how important these two components are and few, how few attorneys have them, you'll very, you'll very quickly come to understand why the attorneys at the very top of the pyramid are able to make millions of dollars a year inside of law firms, or even if they're not in law firms as general counsels and other things, because this, these two characteristics are very rare and there's really not a lot of attorneys like them. And so what is meant by skill? Skill means a lot of things and no list is going to be completely comprehensive, but these are the majority of traits that most law firms use to evaluate the most skilled attorneys. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these because most of people already know what they are. But the first one is your educational qualifications. So this is a measure of skill. Your paper qualifications are things like where you went to school, how well you did there. And the reason that this is important in your skill, and again, it's not the only thing that matters. So I'm going to talk about a lot of different things. But if you put 500 very smart people in a top law school class together, a few of the people and a few of them rise to the top, you're going to identify people with a lot of aptitude for practicing law. And legal employers and others are, pay a lot of attention to educational qualifications because it can show right out of law school uh, how smart and skilled you're likely to be. And they also demonstrate many times, not for everyone, because some people have a lot of innate skill, but they identify or they demonstrate if the person has the energy to work hard. 
and and it also shows your intellectual horsepower. Some people don't have the strength to be aren't literally smart enough to be attorneys. I once knew an attorney who was able to pass the California bar, but couldn't and was a litigator, but couldn't understand the difference between federal and state law. And if an attorney doesn't have the ability to understand like simple basic concept, then you're going to get run over by opposing counsel because what happens in most cases is smart attorneys go up against attorneys that aren't as smart. And when that happens, the, the attorneys that are smarter often win. So this is an important fact to understand that if you are a very smart attorney, you have a leg up when you're going against attorneys that aren't smart. And and there's a, attorneys, honestly, that are like win pretty much every negotiation, most cases, and, and they just have the ability to really masterfully interpret and process information in a way that works in their client's favor. And this is a very important characteristic of attorneys is getting good results and and being able to see things that opposing counsel doesn't see. And and again, anyone can go to law school. There's I learn new law schools every day. I was looking at a resume this morning and there was like Northern California Institute of Law or something that I'd never heard of that law school. And I learn of new law schools every day. And so it's anybody that wants to can be a lawyer and go to law school. And, and so this type of skill that you have can generally be measured by your performance in law school and the quality of the law school you attended. So what does that mean? If you were able to get into a really good law school, it means you probably do really well in your LSATs and have really good grades, which is an, you know, the LSATs are something that show how well you can do and your skill can generally be measured by that information and to some extent. And uh, it's for that reason that a lot of large law firms really won't even bother with people from certain law schools or people who are not at the top of their classes from various law schools. It's just, it's important to them because it's something that shows how, how well your aptitude for practicing law, how well, you know, how well you're going to be able to interpret information. Um, and then what that'll mean for the client when you go up against other people that aren't as smart. And, um, and so these highly selective firms will often view your law school performance as a measure of your skill. And part of the brand is really having the most skilled and smartest attorneys working on various matters and, and also having people that went to these schools and these educational qualifications shows potential clients that they have the smartest and most skilled lawyers as measured by your rankings and academic honors and that who have the intellectual strength to win against other attorneys. And so this is why the educational qualifications are important. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Now, again, there are lots of practice areas and types of firms where this doesn't matter, but I'm trying to tell you why this is one measure of skill that, that is important. And, but again, a lot of practice areas, this doesn't matter at all. 
uh, certain practice areas, personal injury, even family law to some extent, a lot of mass torts and a lot of other things. This isn't going to be as important as it would be in a lot of other practice areas. And you can actually become extremely successful with other skills rather than your your ability to outreason other people in those practice areas. And I'll go into a little bit of that today. Another measure of skill is always going to be your prior employment history. And so what that means is that one of the greatest ways that a law firm can evaluate your skill levels are based on your skill and your your prior employment history. If you've worked for several years at a really good firm, the odds are very good um, that you have the skill to be a good attorney. And it's implied by the quality of the law firm where you've worked, just as it's implied by the quality of the law school that you may have attended. Because if you're able to work at a really good law firm for a long period of time, uh, the presumption is that you've done work at a skill level matching other highly skilled attorneys, and you're also the skill level if you didn't have that, you would have been fired. So it's basically showing that you're up at the quality, you're doing the quality of work and also have the interpersonal skills to stay employed at a major law firm, which is a very important thing. And it's quite common, for example, for attorneys from great law schools to join top law firms and then for to quickly to come to light that they don't have the skills to be practicing at the level of other top attorneys in the firm. And what that means is they miss miss details. They may not care enough to follow through. They may turn in sloppy work product. They may have other personal issues and they typically are let go from top law firms very quickly. So what does that mean? It means that they'll be at one firm for a short period of time. Then they might be at another one for a year and then another one. And, And if you don't stick around for a long period of time at a law firm, then the law firm's not going to believe that you have the skill level to do it. It doesn't mean that they're not skilled attorneys, but it does mean that there's something wrong with them staying employed. And so the law firms will take that as a as a as a as something that is a negative impact on your negative looks negative for your skills. And but the longer you are with a large law firm, the more skill you're presumed to have. And if you've been at a major law firm for more than a few years, the odds are that you you have the same sorts of skills that other major law firms are looking for. And it speaks very highly of your skill level. It also speaks very highly of your skill level, even if you didn't go to a good law school and have good grades, but you're able to go into a large firm and stay there employed for a long time. That means you're doing work at that firm's level. And that's a very important thing. So the other one that I think is one of the most important issues in terms of what makes a good and a very skilled attorney is the ability to see things that other attorneys do not. And in uh, the best attorneys and the most skilled ones typically do not have just intellectual abilities and skill. They also have the ability to cut through very complex facts and see ideas and concepts and interpretation of facts that other attorneys do not. And, and this is really one of the real skills of the very best attorneys and something very few attorneys have. It was interesting. I was talking to someone the other day about that had gone to, that had been at Harvard when Henry Kissinger was a professor there, which he was at like the age of, I don't know, 32 or something. And and back then he was a professor at Harvard at the age of 32. And back then, which is pretty rare, I think, and, and he'd written a book about atomic energy, and this is in the 50s. And or atomic power or bombs or something when people really weren't thinking about that. So this was a real issue that no one was able to see. And 
the issue with the, what made him so remarkable apparently was his ability to spot issues and trends and ideas and things that other people would when they would look at the same ideas would come up would wouldn't come up with these incredible interpretations and this is something that 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 makes sense and that other people aren't seeing and the best attorneys are able to do the same thing as well and very few attorneys are able to do this and because these attorneys can see all these things that other people can't see it allows them to be much more effective advocates for their clients and probably less than one in a hundred attorneys have this skill it's the ability to look at things and understand arguments and ideas of and ways to interpret information that other people are missing. Most people are just looking at the ways and other people are looking at things, and very few attorneys are able to use wide varieties of information, often from different disciplines, to reach incredible conclusions and arguments that other attorneys don't see and that uh, are able to convince people at all different levels to, to understand them. And it's generally not tested in most law schools, it's a skill that very few attorneys have. It's the kind of thing when you see it. And when attorneys do possess this skill, they become uh, extremely valuable to both sophisticated clients and law firms, but very few people have this kind of skill. And if you possess that, it's the kind of thing that gets around. It's the kind of thing that people see. And it's the kind of thing where you have to be very smart to see it. And very few people see it. But if an attorney has this, it is something that is very important, very regarded, and, and very few people have it. And this is one reason that you see when you watch crime shows and things, and they have these really good attorneys that are able to win cases, or you watch different things. This is the skill that very few attorneys have and what makes people very effective. And and then another one is the ability to get along with different types of people. A skill in the legal environment is also your ability to get along with different types of people, including those that you're working with. And if you're unable to get along with different types of people in the office, the odds are you're going to have a very difficult time succeeding in a law firm. Now, back to the Henry Kissinger example, this person that knew Henry Kissinger and watched him also said that one thing he was able to do was able to ingratiate himself with very powerful people by saying nice things to them in a way that didn't seem that he wasn't trying to gain favor with them and make a lot of very powerful people like him instead of turning those people off. And this is another type of skill a lot of times that very, very powerful attorneys have. They're able to get other people to respect them or believe in them, and they often do it in a very kind of not direct way. And, and if an attorney is not able to get along with superiors or other people in the office, the odds are that they're going to have a very difficult time succeeding in a law firm. I remember a guy that I went to law school with, and he's the head of a, a major law firm, like a big law firm's national corporate practice. He was an okay student, which is not great, not one thing or another, but really had the ability to make everyone like him, just everyone would be super nice to everyone and smiling. And, and that's a quality that goes a long way in, in law firms as well, when you can get all sorts of people to like you. And, and for whatever reason, a lot of times attorneys get inside of law firms and their mind starts playing tricks on them. They may see conflict where there is none. They see trouble where there's not trouble. Um, they think people are saying mean things to them or implying things when they're not. They take sides with different people about conflicts and get involved in that. And, and then they see the law firm and the people in it as more political than the law firm actually is. 
and and they get involved in things that they shouldn't. And the ability to stay involved or stay employed in law firms and most legal environments really does require very good people skills. And that is a skill. And it's something if you don't have it, that's important to learn. You can fix your people skills a lot of different ways. There's classes in Dale Carnegie, there's therapists, there's all sorts of ways, but having really good people skills is a skill. And it's something that you need to be very successful. And if you don't have it, then you need to try to work on it. And anybody can work on it. Anybody can fix it. But if you don't fix it, then you know, you're often going to be in a lot more trouble than you should be. And it's going to hinder you from going as far as you should. And then another one is the ability to not stop learning. The best attorneys don't stop learning and continue learning about what they do and sharpening their skills. They're not only interested in what they do, but they're hungry for much more information and and to learn how to be better, to learn different practice area, different aspects of their practice area. They don't believe that they know everything at some point, like they keep trying to learn different ways of doing things. They go to seminars, they, they really do whatever they can to get better and get more and more information. You could give a book, this is just an example, you could give a book about how to take depositions to a senior litigator that may have been litigating for 20 years or more. And if they thought the book was good, they would sit down and read it. And their interest in what they do and information about it means that they're continually getting better and better in what they do. They're hungry for information. They don't believe they know everything and they're interested in what they're doing and they want to continually get better and better even if it's only like a small piece of information that they may get from a book, they know that every little bit of information they get is going to make them better and better. And in contrast, a lot of people stop doing that. So a lot of people believe that they know everything. They say, I know this. And when you tell them, or they get defensive about different things. And your ability to continually get better and know things is really important. I see that, by the way, with recruiters. It's very interesting because when I started in the recruiting business, the job was basically you would call, you would get a job from a firm and then you would call every person in the city you could to try to submit them to that job and, and then, and then hope, hopefully you made a placement. And that was a model that was going around since the, I don't know, the 1980s or maybe sooner or later. And then it became, when we got on the business, it became, no, there's more than one job you can apply for. There's more than one firm. And we started doing that. And then, but that was only certain types of candidates, like the best candidates from the best firms. And then, and then our business, then my business changed to doing attorneys that work in different practice areas, not just big practice areas and big law firms. And when I did that, a whole generation of recruiters in our company couldn't make that connection and start doing that. And so that went by the wayside. And so it's just every time the recruiting business changes, most recruiters, for example, will stick with doing one thing. So if you go to our website and you know that everything's online, the different types of things we do, um, but very few recruiters are able to make that switch. And it's like that for most businesses. And it's like that for most people. People will continue doing the same thing over and over again. And the companies and the businesses that survive are the ones that, and the people that continually keep improving. So if you look at like automakers go out of business all the time, and they, but most automakers that are in business are constantly improving and getting better and better. I remember I was, I took a ride and it was fun. There was a president of Volkswagen in, in there was a, they had an office in 
by Detroit, and and then head of General Motors came over to it was just some sort of event for homecoming. We were decorating a float or something. But came over to a house and he brought a brand new Corvette. And and the president of Volkswagen, he said you should take a ride in it. And the president of Volkswagen, I was standing there, and he said, "Do you want to come with me?" And so I got in the the Corvette with him, and he said the reason that. German cars are, are selling so well in the United States compared to American cars is what a German car does is they build a brand, like they'll build like a three series BMW and they'll keep that model like the way it looks on the outside for maybe five, 10 years, but they'll continually keep refining all the stuff that's happening. They'll keep making it better and better and questioning the, how the things are bolted together or what's the how the turn signals work and everything that goes inside the car that you may not see, they'll continue refining that over and over again. And But what the American car company will do is they'll just put some new fins on it or change the headlights or something, and then they won't keep working on the inside of the car. Now, this was in the 30 years ago or longer than that. But the point is that the company and at that time, the German car companies and the Japanese car companies were all gaining more and more market share compared to the American companies that were unable to change this old business model. So the idea is to improve. You need to constantly be improving yourself and constantly stop learning and not get defensive and not think you know everything and continually get better and better. Because if you do that, you're going to be very far ahead of anyone else that's trying to, that you're competing with. And it's a very important point and not something that a lot of people are able to do and, and something that can make you very successful. If you look at what I try to do with you in these webinars, I'm trying to get you to keep learning and to keep getting better. And I, each one of these little things that you learn uh, can make you very successful. I hear from attorneys weekly that have followed the stuff that have become successful by continuing learning. And most people are not hungry to learn and improve. And so if you're hungry to learn and improve, that's one of the greatest assets you have. Even if you start out, I've seen people start out and not be able to get a job and fail the bar multiple times and then finally get a job in a small firm and then from there move up and move up and, and wind up at big law firms. I even saw, I've seen solo practitioners do that. They couldn't get a job out of law school. If you keep improving and never stop learning, that's one of the greatest assets you possibly can have and not something that a lot of people do. And it's something that makes the best companies work. It's something that makes the best law firms work. It's something that makes the best attorneys work and something that I hope you, you never stop doing because it's very important. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.